Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where you go to church with the whole world every time we get together. And I, you know, I love getting together with other people in worship. I love getting together with other people and, and, you know, enjoying fellowship and communion. But you know something? I really love when I'm digging into the Word of God where I can stop it, put it on pause, write notes, think, do a little research, pray, back it up, go forward. And so, you know something, I hope you're making the very, very best of what we're doing here. Let me just encourage you in something. You know, I am attempting to reach one billion people and develop them into disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ways you can help me do this is by subscribing to and liking this channel. Matter of fact, if you'll just look right down there on your right, you'll see a spot where you can click and like this and where you can subscribe to this. And listen, that'll help me reach more people. I'll be right back. Don't go away. I've got a great free download for you this month. The attitude that always we have. All you've got to do to get this free message is click right there on the right-hand top side of your screen, and you can get it right now in your inbox. All right, today we're going to be diving into what I call stuck in the world I believe in. You know something in counseling and personal ministry, you see this all the time where people are in what I call a stuck state. You know, a stuck state is where you get into a place emotionally, spiritually, morally, ministerially. You get into some place or in business and finances that it's like you just cannot figure out how to break out of that place. You can't even go back to what you had yesterday or what you were experiencing yesterday, and you can't move forward. I'll tell you, so many people that I have ministered to over the years, when by the time they they would get desperate enough to come in, they were in a stuck state. Now, you're not going to find that term in the Bible, but I'll tell you what, you will find that description in the Bible when you understand what it is. See, a, a stuck state is where you get into a repetitive cycle of the same thing happening over and over again, reaching a certain level of success and then everything falling apart, reaching a certain level of financial comfort and then things going wrong, reaching a certain level of health and energy and then getting sick, reaching a certain place of happiness happiness in relationships, and then somehow something always goes wrong. And here's the thing about stuck states. When you get into a stuck state where you just, you're on a grind, you know, you're like on the rat on the wheel, you know, you just, you're running and running and running and trying and trying and trying, but just absolutely getting nowhere. I'm going to tell you something, that will simply wear you out. It will grind you down over a period of time until you give up hope. Now, I want you to understand something. Hope is, according to the Bible, the anchor for your soul. Now, your soul is your thoughts and your emotions. And so what happens whenever you lose your anchor, then the ship is just tossed to and fro based on all of the circumstances that are going on in the environment around you. And hope, remember, is the confident expectation of good things. When you lose the confident expectation of good things, you have no anchor and you're just going to be tossed to and fro everywhere. And so 
people get into a stuck state. Now, I'm going to help you understand how you get in those stuck states, why you get into those stuck states, and how you can get out of them. And this all has to do with the glory of God. Remember, we're still on the series, Paradise Perspectives and the Glory of God. And, you know, this month in February, I'm trying to focus a lot on relationships and how we get stuck in relationships and how our paradigms affect us and how we fail to see the glory of God in our relationships. But I want you to know that the series goes into much, much more than that. So, you know, I'm giving you as much as I can through these public uh, teachings. I want to give you everything that I help you, but I also want to give you more and those other teachings. And you know, I just know that I can't give it all to you publicly, but I'm going to give you everything I can. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, uh, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now remember, the heart is the seat of faith. The heart is the seat of love. The heart is the seat of our identity. So anything that affects my identity, anything that affects the way I perceive myself, and not just how I perceive myself in general, but particularly how I perceive myself in the world, where I fit into the world and where I fit into God, anything that affects my heart is going to affect my faith. So the more I treasure something, the more it affects my heart, therefore, the more it affects my faith, the more it affects my capacity to see God's view and opinion in that situation. Now, anything that's close to my heart is something that I've probably intertwined with my identity. It's some area. See, when you value something, when you place a value on something, then you begin this inward process of needing to be right about it. The more value you place on something, the more you have the need to be right in your opinions, the more you need for how you see it to be reality for you. And so the more you need to be right about it, the more you intertwine that with your identity, with who you believe yourself to be. So remember, dying to my opinion is the primary way that I die to myself. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you don't have to die to yourself. No, well, actually you do. And the self is the you, the opinion, the way you see yourself, the way you perceive yourself, your opinion, anything that is not aligned with what God says in his word as taught by and modeled by the Lord Jesus Christ is accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is just absolutely your opinion. And it's tied to a sense of you apart from Jesus, a sense of you apart from God. So if I have to die to my opinion and my, that opinion is deeply connected to something I treasure and value, and there's the fear of the loss of what I value, I got news for you. It's going to affect my identity because it's a hard issue. So then I do everything I can to hold on to that, which affects the way I feel about myself, which threatens the opinions that I need to hold on to so I can be right, or threatens the opinions that may make me feel the possibility of losing something that I treasure. Now, here's what I've seen in counseling. I'm not saying that this is true 100% across the board in every situation, but you know what? I'm saying this is true more times than you would imagine in the lives of almost every person. In so many situations, once you come to the place where you treasure something, then you would rather be right than to be happy. 
Man, you see this in marriage counseling every single day. You know, there's a story that I tell, and really this story, I could tell it about a hundred different couples, but I always think of this one particular couple that came to see me one time. Man, the guy's squalling and bawling. His wife had gotten kind of emotionally attached to somebody at work. She hadn't had an affair. She hadn't been physically involved. She came to him and told him the truth and just told him, said, look, you know, you frighten me. You know, you're volatile. I'm afraid you're going to be violent. You go out of control. I can't talk to you about things. And you ignore me. You put your work ahead of me. So she ended up, like I say, not having an affair, but she just ended up enjoying the attraction to somebody or that someone else had for her and how they complimented her, all these kinds of things. So, man, he comes and he's crying. Oh, my God, I'll do anything to save my marriage. You know, he's crying and carrying on like that. So I said, okay, you'll do anything, right? Oh, yeah, anything, anything. And so I asked her what I've asked hundreds of spouses that were sitting there. I said, I said, all right, you're here because you want to save your marriage, right? Right. And she initiated coming to get counseling. She wanted to save her marriage. She did not want her marriage to blow up. And so I said, okay, let me ask you this. What would it take for you to have the confidence to stay and work it out with him? And, you know, she did what nearly every person has done that I've ever asked that question. She only had three things. Ever since she had told him about this emotional attraction to this guy at work. He just day and night pressured her, asking her questions, you know, and it never would end. And so she said, number one, I've told him everything there is to tell him. I don't want to ever discuss this again. Number two, she said, I don't want him to ever be violent and punch holes in the wall or, you know, knock doors down and that kind of thing. I don't even remember what the third thing was, but it was a very reasonable request. So, they lived in another state, so I said, all right, come back in two weeks. I gave them homework and da-da-da-da-da, sent them away. So they come back in two weeks. They walk in. Man, how's it going? He said, it's great, man. I'm telling you, this is just wonderful. She said, no, wait, it's not great. She said, before we even got out of the driveway the last time we were here, he started again. I'm just going to ask you this one last time. You know, did anything happen? Did you ever kiss him? What did you think? Were you wanting? And she said, and really nothing has changed. And, you know, I looked at the guy and I, and I said, man, you came in here. You were falling apart. You wanted to save your marriage. I said, I guess I absolutely misunderstood you because I thought that's really what you wanted. But I realize now all you want is to be right. I'll tell you something. So many of the situations that we get stuck in, is because of our need to be right. Don't go away. I'll be right back. I'm going to help you get unstuck. My new series, Paradigms, Perspective, and the Glory of God, is designed to do just what it sounds like. I want you to see, to perceive, and to experience the glory of God, the reality of God, the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the power of God in every single area of your life. And I want to tell you something. When you can see God's reality, you can believe God's reality. And when you believe God's reality, you will experience in every part of your life. You definitely want this series. You know, Jesus said something really interesting right after he made this statement about where treasure is, there your heart is. And he talked about the fact that the eye is the lamp of the body. Right here in the middle of talking about where your 
treasure is. That's where your heart is. And then in the next segment, he talks about mammon. And in the middle of this, he talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. And I tell you, I, I struggle with that for a lot of years. But well, one of the reasons I struggle with it is because of the word mammon. The word mammon is always translated as money, and it's really not money. The word mammon is more about avarice. It's more about selfishness. It's more about the greed and the lust to fulfill your own desires. And so many times, once we get to the place where we have a treasure on something, we place an unrealistic value on it. And so we think our happiness depends on it. Therefore, we have to control it. We have to manipulate it. We have to possess it. And you know something? When that's a person, that's a recipe for destroying a relationship. Now, he says in verse 22, he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good or whole, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, what happens once we go to the place of selfishness? Once we go to the place of greed, once we go to the place of trying to fulfill our lust, trying to protect what we treasure by ungodly means, then what happens, it alters the way we see the world around us. In other words, the light of the body, what we are seeing, what we're perceiving becomes corrupt. And so the light, the way we're seeing something is actually darkness. And what we think is light, what we think is going to save our marriage, what we think is going to save our relationship, what we think is going to save that situation is actually darkness is going to destroy it. Man, I have seen so many marriages go bad because of someone getting insecure and having the need to control. You know, I don't really like doing weddings, but, you know, I'll do them. And usually if I'll do a wedding, I require that I do premarital counseling with them. And, and you know, one of the interesting things in my premarital counseling, 50 percent of the people that ever went through my premarital counseling decided not to get married. Well, I want to tell you something. That 50%, those are the ones that would have gotten a divorce had they gone ahead with because all I really did in my premarital counseling was get people talking about things that they thought they were in agreement on. They thought they had already discussed it. And when they find out that they're not in agreement, when they find out they haven't discussed it and they find out they can't reach a resolution, they realize, whoa, wait a minute, you're not who I was trying to perceive you to be. And see, that's what happens. Once we put a value on something, it becomes our treasure and it alters our perception. It alters the way that we see it. But because so many people lack wholeness in Christ, they lack fulfillment in their walk with God. They lack peace and joy. You know, joy, joy is that internal state of happiness and satisfaction and bliss that comes because of who you are in Jesus, who God is to you. And, and all of these internal, you know, happiness is pretty much understood to be something that stimulates one of the five senses. It's all based on external factors and it changes and goes up and down. But I'm telling you, joy is something that is the product of an internal experience. But whenever we have an over-exaggerated value placed on something, we need them to be happy. We need that person. Then if we need someone, then we can justify controlling them. We can justify dominating them. We can justify doing all of the things that will infect or will in fact destroy that relationship. Now, I want to tell you something. And some people define love. Now, remember, I think about this quite often, but I was thinking about it today because of a letter that I got from someone. 
And, you know, so often I'll get emails or letters from people and they'll talk about walking in love and it not coming out right or walking in love and ending up in some type of destructive sin. Remember, you can't define love. You know, God's commandments tell us how to treat God, how to treat others, and how to treat ourselves. And so only God has the right to define what love is. So when I come up with a definition of love, that's not based on God's commandments about how to treat other people. I'm not talking about getting under the law. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about, you know, because the Bible says when we walk in love, we fulfill all the law or in all the commandments. And so if what you call love isn't showing value, it's not showing respect, it's violating, you know, the wisdom for communication, it's violating the way you should treat somebody, it's trying to take their rights away from trying to dominate their life, then it's not love. It's something sick. As a matter of fact, you know, control and domination is, in fact, a form of murder, you know, according to Jesus. Jesus says, you know, if we despise people, if we count them as nothing, then we're guilty of murder based on the continuum of what's in your heart. Because, see, if I have no value for someone, if I have no value for their opinion, then I force my opinion on them. Therefore, I am guilty of taking their life away from them. And if we're walking in love, we need to be contributing to people. Now, I want to tell you something. You can't define love. And if, if you come up with some subjective, humanistic concept of love, then you can justify just about anything. You can make it as perverted as you want to make it. You can make it as corrupt as you want to make it. You can make it as controlling as you want to make it. And at the end, I promise you, it will take away because the light that is in you is now darkness. And instead of showing you the way and leading you to what really works, it's going to lead you to that which absolutely does not work. So I want to share some things with you about loving your spouse and avoiding those situations in your life that are causing you to stay stuck, particularly in the area of relationship. I'm not going to go into finances. I'm not going to go into a lot of other things I could go into. I want to tell you why you're stuck. And by the way, I have an incredible book that you can order. It's not an offer that we're making this month, but you can order. It's a book called We Still Kiss. And, uh, you know, I wrote this book after Brenda and I had been married almost 30 years, worked through every kind of problem that you can imagine working through. And we still work through stuff, you know, because we're still growing. The world around us is changing. The dynamics of our life and interaction are always changing. And what I encourage people to do with this book is get one for the husband, get one for the wife. Or if you're not married yet, get one, you know, for both people in the couple. And what you do is you set a date night and you say, on such and such a night, we're, every week we're going to meet. And here's what we're going to do. During the week, we're going to read the same chapter in this book. And when we get together, we're going to discuss that chapter. We're going to discuss if any of it applies to us. We're going to discuss, you know, what was talked about in that chapter. We're going to discuss whether I agree, whether I disagree, whether I like it, whether I don't like it. And if you will work through that. As a matter of fact, I get letters from marriage counselors that use this book in this way all the time. And I'm telling you, they get incredible, incredible results from this. And so, you know, that's something I really hadn't even planned to offer this month. I hadn't even, you know, planned to discuss with you. But you know what? This is something that has helped a whole lot of marriages. And as you begin to communicate and stop assuming 
what you know about your spouse. Stop assuming anything about what will make them happy and stop assuming what they think about anything and actually get down to the place to where you can discover who they really are. You can discover what they like. You can discover what they dislike. You know, what I find is a lot of people, because of the way they see their, their spouse or the person that they're engaged to, they are seeing this person through the eyes of need. And so they are creating a paradigm. They're creating a way of viewing that relationship where that other person is going to need them and, and where they'll be happy when they are needed. You know, the most miserable people in the world are the people who think that love and need are the same thing. Because if you need for your spouse or your fiance to need you, then you are asking for a codependent relationship that will be void of much honesty, much openness. So, you know, one of the things I want to encourage you to do I want to encourage you just to do this. I want to encourage you to say a prayer just right now. Just say this prayer with me. It just says, Father, I don't see this relationship as it really is. I see this relationship through my eyes where I fear I might lose my spouse. I see this relationship through my need for this person to love me and make me happy. I see this relationship through my fear of being alone if this doesn't work out. And I know I'm not seeing it as it really is. And I want you to open my eyes because I want the way I see us to be the way you see us. I want to be at a place where I can see her or see him the way you see. And I want to be at a place where I can see me the way you see me. I want to be able to give a love that's all about contributing to the quality of life to that, uh, that other person rather than just taking something to try to make me happier and try to make my life better. You know something? That's the starting place. That's like taking an eraser to the chalkboard and just wiping everything off and just saying, I'm going to write something completely new. But see, if you just try to write over what's already there, then you come up with something that nobody can read. So start there and listen. Come back. I'm going to be right back with my mentoring moment. I want to share some really incredible things with you, some important steps. Have you ever just felt like you couldn't see the truth? I've had people say that to me so many times. I just can't see it. Well, I want to tell you something. In this new series, Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God, your eyes are going to open and you're going to discover how to always see what God's Word means and says. You know, Jesus didn't call you to be a Christian. He called you to be a believer. He called you to be a disciple. He called you to be a son. He called you to be an heir. He didn't call you just to be a Christian. I want to tell you something. Everything about Impact Ministries is about making disciples, developing people to know who they are in Jesus, developing people to see Christ as He really is and to understand God through Him. That's why Jesus is Lord. And really, that is the foundation of this whole ministry. No matter what subjects we teach on, it always goes back to who is Jesus, what He say, what did He accomplish, and who are we because we are in Him. So I want to invite you 
Be sure and, and watch these broadcasts, share these broadcasts, but I also want to invite you to help me take this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. You see, we are not living in the kingdom if we are not surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. Most of the world has waved their hands at Jesus, but they've never made him Lord. Join me as a world changer. You know, what I'm going to share with you today is not that different. But now, let me say this before I get in this. Be sure at the end of this segment that you don't just click right off because there's going to be an opportunity for you to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well as like this video. And the reason that's so incredibly important is the more likes that we have and the more people that subscribe, the more people that will find these videos when they go on YouTube and search for certain things, which means this is going to give us the opportunity to influence a lot more people than we normally do. So be sure at the end of this segment to take enough time to subscribe to our channel and also to like this video. Now listen, what I'm going to share with you is something that I've shared with you before in times past. It's one of the cornerstone teachings that I have about developing relationships. I do this in premarital counseling. I do this when there's trouble in a marriage. Because most of the time, people are trying really hard to make the relationship work. I mean, unless you just got somebody that's a selfish jerk, and sometimes you do. But if people are really interested in having a good relationship, they're usually trying really hard, but they're trying hard at the wrong things. See, we do our spouses just like we do God. We have a paradigm of what marriage is supposed to look like. And we never really discuss this with our spouse. And, and we don't really even know what they're looking for. And we don't even know what they think a marriage should look like. So here's something just really, really simple. I call this the top five. It's real simple. You sit down with your spouse. You make an agreement not to fuss, not to argue, not to even over-explain. And you ask your spouse, make me a list of the top five things that I could do that would make you feel loved and precious and valuable. And then you make a list of the top five things that your spouse could do for you to make you feel loved, precious, and valued. Now, the one rule on this, it can't violate their will or violate their dignity and worth. And if they say it violates, if it's something that they can't do, or if it violates their dignity, then you have to take it off your list. You cannot destroy another person's self-worth just to satisfy yourself. And so you take that list and you swap that list. And then you have a discussion. You just talk through what it would look like. You know, for my wife, she really values special holidays and special events. And that's when she wants presents. Now, I'm not like that. I would prefer to get presents when a person wants to give them to me because I don't ever want anybody to do obligation. That would be what I would tend to do with her. But you know something? It doesn't work for her. You've got to find out what makes your spouse felt valuable, precious, you know, highly esteemed. And that's what you got to do if you want them to feel loved. If you're not going to do it, then you just don't want them to feel loved. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.